You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanel, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and I have the pleasure of sitting down with Mary Hartman today. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Tamara. Good to be here. So glad to be with you, and we are, just to set the scene, we're in Mary's studio, which is a very cool upstairs in a building on MLK. We'll talk about your studio later, because I know that's um, informing a lot of your practice, but we're just in this beautiful, big, empty, kind of raw-looking space. It's very Savannah. So, Mary, I'll get started talking about your work, and... um, just the, the look of your art is so different from everybody else in town because most people are clearly painting and yours are very drawing informed. Um, and m- much of Mary's work is vine and compressed charcoal and pastel and acrylic wash. And then it said, I saw on your website, you work with either hot pressed watercolor paper and also canvas and panel. Um, okay, I'm gonna read a little bit of your statement. Your work is involved with texture and memory. I try to keep in mind and in hand principles of movement and economy, speed and light, and appreciate the interplay between illusory and non-illusory space and form. So for people who have not seen Mary's work yet, which please go look it up, but it's very, it, it's very drawing based and you do a lot of horses and steer and wild animals, but also a lot of still lifes like cast iron pans and anvils, which I want to talk to you about. And then you also have a whole thriving portrait aspect to your business but or to your artwork but your work is very it looks very sculptural but the charcoal it's you can tell what the forms are but there's so much abstraction in it and it really looks like you're like carving out space it looks like all of your things that you depict they look so three-dimensional it's really amazing Tamara really oh god <laughs> that's what I'm that's after. what you're going for and I think you know often it just looks quite flat to me so to hear you say that's great no it's I mean I'm looking right up now where you have a, you have this series of, you have these like very big hefty cats (laughs) lying on their side and they, you just feel, you feel how heavy the cat is. You feel the the fur looks depicted. It's really incredible. I mean, the way you do it. And I remember from like my early SCAD classes when we were working in charcoal. And I think that the fact also that you work in charcoal, I keep harping on this, but I feel like for most people, it's like something you remember about your early art training and then you kind of never go back to it again you sort of associate it with like learning to draw mm-hmm. and so I love that your, your finished works are in charcoal and they're so beautiful and finished looking and it's it makes me want to get back into it but thank you it's it's fun material you must have so much fun your hands must get so filthy yeah oh for sure and um I'm thinking of uh I'm from West Virginia and I think it's sort of I, I mean, it's a sick joke, but black lung, like oh <laughs> charcoal. yeah I mean, I've been you're standing carrying on for decades oh my with gosh. Yeah. And I sometimes get a little in my ears. In your ears? <laughs> Are you imagining at the end of the night just clean it under your fingernails, just blackened you know, all the it's, time? It's, um, it's a good dirty, sure. Do you, I mean, is that consciously or subconsciously, did you, is there a West Virginia connection to no. you where you like the physicality of it? You know, there isn't, and I haven't made my own charcoal. A lot of people have, have done that, and I've been gifted some, and that's, that's really nice, so made a wood pile. Oh, some homemade charcoal? Mm-hmm. How do people make that? Christine Sacecki gave me some, and it's a twig that she roasted, okay. I suppose. I don't quite know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I tend to go to Blick. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, okay, so I wanted to just get into with your art, like I touched on, you have a whole series of horses and steer and moose, which is kind of what I knew you from, but you do a lot of still lifes, like these cast iron pans that are really good with the heft and then just the blackness of them. And then you, you do some anvils, which I was curious about. What mm-hmm. What is the significance of that? Um, thank you. I think it's a formal um, interest. And I, just, I like diagonals. Uh, oh. um, and I did do a series of anvils thinking about, um, this was a show in 2014 at Spare Time. Do you remember Spare Time? Where was that gallery? It was, well, it was a restaurant and bar and terrific spot at uh, the west side of Congress. Okay. MLK in Congress. And um, I had a studio upstairs from there for a while on the third floor and shared with some folks and um, they invited me to have a show. Clara and Jane invited me to have a show and um, it was a period of transition not to get too heavy but I was thinking about weights and relief of weight and what's heavy and what isn't what getting out from under something a little bit yeah and um <clears throat> an anvil suggested itself to me it's pretty um uh, it's kind whatever. of a funny object people don't usually see them in real life ever right um my brother has one and my now husband has one. really why do they have them well um also, my cousin is a blacksmith, and he has one. Oh. Andy, my husband, has one for fabricating car parts. Okay. And um, it's maybe somewhat obvious or facile symbol, but I was just thinking about heaviness and lightness. and. You were in a transition period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had this working change. anvil in your life that you could look at. Yeah, I suppose. And... Mostly, I used photographs okay. at that point, and sourcing on the internet, you know. And, and I then, like it when it's pivoted. Yeah, a lot of your work, is, the diagonal is a big thing for yours. You tend to, I'm looking around your room, a lot of them are like in the upper left corner going down to the lower right corner. That's, is that the, is that the, that's the direction you're more comfortable with? You know, I, I find that um, I like that top third for the, for still life and then it sort of trails down yeah do you do um when you're planning out your pieces how much compositional thinking and laying out and doing compositional shapes do you work on do you know I don't plan enough and I don't do enough studies and I'm learning I've been taking some online classes during the pandemic and just learning the value of planning something out and color studies and okay something I've never much reckoned with but now I do, and to be mindful of it, I, I think I'm impulsive. I just get started. Do you? Typically. Do you, so when you start with a piece, do you just start with the vine charcoal? Can you sketch it that Usually. way? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then sometimes I um, throw caution to the wind to just lay some massive tone or color. With portraits on that laid paper with the finish, it's terrific for charcoal. Um, I often start with a a kind of a rub out of just tone, a mid-tone. Okay. Do you, um, so the, the pieces of the cats, you're usually working from photos, you said? Yeah. Do you, yeah. does it take you, like, a bunch of tries to get one that you like, or do you just, you have the paper and you just start going for it and you can just go? I think I just go. Yeah? It doesn't mean I'll like it, but <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. What do you use to erase? 
my hands, my this part of my fist. Back of your hand. Um, chamois. Okay. And sometimes paintbrushes. And I took a class where I learned that the bristle will take off a little, and a finer brush will take off a lot. So. Oh, interesting. Nathan C. I took an online class with him, and um, what else? Needed eraser for sure. And then yeah, the, you know, I was gonna ask about the needed eraser. Mm-hmm. I love funny those, just of, playing with them. I just do a lot of drawing with the eraser. They smell so funny. I know. Needed erasers. Uh-huh. I remember in classes they always told us not to use our fingertips to erase because they're kind of oily, oily. And it's, is, is that a thing? Is that why you use the back of your hand? Well, I think it's impulsive. I think it's. Yeah. I could say intuitive and dress it up, but I. Maybe impulsive is really the word. <laughs> um, but the oil, I don't. I haven't worried too much about archival stuff. Okay. That way. <laughs> How do you decide? So you work on paper and also canvas and panel. I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the size of your finished pieces because I've had this conversation with other artists who work on paper is that at the end then you have to frame it with the glass mm. and then getting to be a certain size is always problematic just because the expense of it and you know shipping and the heft of it or something. Sure. How do you work out what surface you're going to work on? In graduate school I worked almost um, uh, exclusively on paper and, it, and large and it was uh, plexi. Okay. Plexiglass. Yeah, once it's a certain size, it's not going to be glass, it's going to be plexi. Mm-hmm. So what was large to you? What were you working on? Um, 60 by 44. That's really small. big. Mm-hmm. Do you pin the paper to the wall, basically, and work Staple, on it? Staple. I mistreat the edges. Yeah, yeah. The worst, yeah. I don't Would you have it on the floor, like sure. crawling around on it? Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, sometimes on wood stain panels, working on it really have to turn it and be all around it and stand on top of it and be on my knees. Oh, yeah. And it must, harder it's, and harder. It must be fun with the wood, I mean, that you can just beat it up so much more. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you, you were at SCAD, you got your MFA in painting, mm-hmm. I assume. Mm-hmm. When you arrived for your graduate degree, were you already working in this way, like the charcoal and pastels? or? Do you know, I was an art history major in undergraduate school. I had almost no portfolio. Mm. And... I think I've, I've been to some workshops with my mother, who's a painter, and the medium was charcoal, was vine charcoal. Okay. Figure drawing workshops. So it was kind of like what you had learned, basically. What I had learned and what I, what was already feeling pretty good to me, so um, I did have some drawings, and, and they let me in. <laughs> what year was that? What year did you start? 95. Okay. And they, I took some provisional classes, oil painting, and color theory. And then I was in graduate and school, school, and it was it was nuts because I just I didn't know what I was doing. Ninety five. Wow. Did, <laughs> did they? Was that in Alexander Hall back then? No, it was in oh. Orleans Hall. Where is that? It's the gym, I think. Okay. Did they? Did you have a studio since you were I had in grad a school? Okay. Mm-hmm. Were I had you great professors? Erling Shavold was one. Martha McLeish was one. Learned a lot from Denise Falk. Yeah, I remember her. And Raphael Deluzio. Yeah. Were you one of the only ones who was doing more drawing as opposed to painting? Yeah, I'm pretty much the only one You're always, um, yeah. doing anything uh, quasi-even representational. Oh, really? Um, well, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, my work is kind of quaint. It is, it is, there's this quaintness I don't necessarily mm-hmm. intend, but I suppose the objects that suggest themselves to me are... Um, in a way, um, 
Might have driven. I don't know. Were the other people in your graduate program, they were doing kind of just abstract paintings, big, splashy kind of? um, Yes, and a lot. Big focus on process and materials and a lot of... um, and I remember I went to go get some tar because I thought I gotta use something to wow. <laughs> to use something um, inventive because everybody around me, you know, a lot of reacting and a lot of worrying about this and that, and not focused on just accepting this is what I'd like to do. So I'll yeah, do. you felt a little pressured yeah. to like push your materials and be more sure. Out and there. it wasn't a bad thing. I made some tar drawings. Yeah, how did the tar behave? <laughs> it was awful. It was wouldn't spread, of course. And wow, you were trying with to scratching. push it with a paintbrush. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Must have smelled great. Yeah, I was not popular. You were just getting everybody <laughs> high. That's right. So you had these like hardened tar painting sculptures mixed with acrylic, and I have some of them still in files, and they just um, they weren't they they weren't. A bad experiment, really. It's so funny. It was kind of... Yeah. I'm glad I did them. <laughs> so you went through grad school. What... what when, that was the reason you moved to Savannah, mm-hmm. basically, from West Virginia? Mm-hmm. What was, what was your first impression of Savannah? What did you oh, like to do? Well, geez. It was so much less touristy then. So much less. I think the book had just come out. Yeah, that's incredible. And that was really the only... You were here, like, the very beginning of that era. Mm-hmm. That was the only... Um, tourism kind of push. I think the trolleys had not been in operation very long. Wow. And like the horse carriage, just all that was really new? Seemed new and, and sparse. And this town was so, everybody laments, but um, it really, it felt discoverable. And I was so lucky. Really to, gritty. To be here and be in school and not um, having to do, you know, be at a job or I could just really discover Yeah, it's just so affordable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other interesting thing I feel like for that era of Savannah was that SCAD was like the, con- you know, it wasn't even nearly as huge as it is now, but that would have been like the controversial thing downtown of like all these art students wandering around sure. because people wouldn't, people weren't yet upset about, you know, boutique hotels and tourism. So like mm-hmm. you guys were this incoming factor that the longtime Savannians would be. Maybe reacting. So. It's yeah, particularly the undergraduate students. I think. Okay. Got a little. Where did Where did you live? Were you downtown? Oh man, <laughs> you live in all the, the most amazing places back then, right? I've talked to other people who, like Angela Burson, lived on Jones Street. Yeah, and she's here. Easy. Yeah. Easy, easy. I think I went to Home Finders, and there was this paper called The Guardian, and there would be you know five apartments listed. It was just very easy, and um, I wound up at 19 West Gordon Street. Wow, Gordon Street. Furnished. Yeah apartment furnished efficiency with you know indoor shutters and this precious kitchen and yeah it was absurd it were was you really nice. is that really close to the mercer house very i actually I had a i had a little period where i think i lived just a few doors down for you i had a small period where i lived with somebody on gordon street yeah. too that's so funny i used to see really um people women hitching up their skirts basically to maybe scale the wall i mean it was a wow. big Remember the book? Well, you weren't here then. I wasn't here. No, I mean, yeah, when I first got here, it was 2005. So it was touristy here, but not nearly mm-hmm. to the extent of, you know, parking wasn't a huge sure. issue. And, yeah, bachelorettes were not a thing at all. That's right. <laughs> um, wow. Were there any, like, bars or restaurants that you remember going to back then that are still around? There's some things that oh, last a really long time, right? I <clears throat> a few things. got my mail at... Pinky's Ma- Pinky Masters. Oh, yeah. that was your place? Uh, that was definitely our place. Alex Henson was another grad student, and he introduced me to it. And 
I was a faithful yeah. devotee. So when you were in grad school, I imagine you guys are painting and then you're just going out at night drinking or, or maybe oh, you're painting. Yeah. Were you painting all night? What was your... All the above. Yeah. And um, plenty of boozing in the studios. Yeah. Plenty of, it, it was just, there weren't really rules. We barely had um, plumbing in that place, basically. So. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So when you were in grad school, what were you imagining your life was going to be after? Like, what did you think your career would be like? What did you want? Um, a really good and scary question, and I'm ashamed to admit I wasn't thinking future too much. I really wasn't. Or it was um, just in art school getting their painting MFA. It's so terrible. Yeah. Okay, so what happened after Other you graduated? People, I think, I'm, I'm sure were. Really? So when you graduated, was like 97-ish, 98? 98. And what happened then? What happened then is I got a job in a hotel. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. And was in the service industry in some form or um, hospitality for okay. many years. For many years. Were you still working on your painting in your off time, or did you take a break? I was, and I had shows. Um, I had a studio in my next apartment which was on Bolton Street used one of the bedrooms and um, had shows in, at Gallery Espresso yeah. at the Metropole yeah that's been Gallery Espresso amazing so long yeah, a bunch of shows there they were very good to me Starland the first incarnation of, of uh, Gallery 28 it was called there used to be in that DeSoto Row I remember like so, different gallery there was a woman who had a frame shop for a really long time in there and there were little galleries and it was the type where like a sketch since you could rent it for a week and do a show and it was mm-hmm. like the first Fridays was sort of starting to be a thing in sure. Starland mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. this was just one house at the um, before the Starlander was cafe and, and um, Marcus Kenny was Organizing shows there. Oh, yeah. I got to have, be part of a drawing show and have my own show. Were you and he in school at the same time? or No. Um, he was in photo, I think. And That's right. I was in painting, but I met him through Preston Orr. Okay. Uh-huh. So there's this whole, like, this very long time guard of you here in oh, Savannah. Since well, the 90s. I don't know if I count myself, but um, definitely... <laughs> loitering in this town for a while okay <laughs> so you start you worked in hospitality and then how how many years did that go on for um, just <laughs> until, until like yesterday yeah yeah not I think about nine and uh, sometimes part-time sometimes full-time just yeah in and out but that was a valuable thing I um, learned to work well with others etc that was also I mean it's before being able to sell things online mm-hmm. it was really before like Etsy and just things like that. I think when I first, when I graduated from SCAD in 2008, I set up an Etsy shop and Etsy was pretty new and there weren't tons of people on it and you could like get your Etsy shop rolling. But I'm trying to imagine for you, like in the early 2000s, just what the possibilities were to sell art, especially before it was super touristy here. You know, um, Cindy Sosinski had me draw her children. She's an art broker in town. Okay. And I did get some referrals from, from that project. So... I remember that very well. I, I, I said, I don't know if I trust myself. I'll try. Yeah. She said, just try. And um, then so a few commissions came in that way. Yeah. And some some uh, pretty decent sales from shows. Okay. So, yeah. And then, so coming up to modernish time. So this studio that we're in right now, you said you, what year did you first move into this studio? It was 13, I think. 14. 2013. Okay. 
Were you, um, and do you do your art full time now? I do. Yeah? Yeah, I do. And hence I have debt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's been all right. I've been, I've been uh, able to come out black sometimes. Okay. And um, expense thing. I mean, I'm just, no one's after me yet, but <laughs> I was for a long time thankful to be at Cobo Gallery, and that was that was good for getting my work sold. Yeah, what years were you there for? That was well. um, 14, no, sorry, 14 to 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Cobo has probably been around since like is it like 2010, something like that? I think it's so a long running gallery, yeah. It's one of the, I think it, if not the oldest co op, one of those. Yeah. Did you, um, so your work, your work is very different there as well. Did you ever, did you feel pressure ever, like you needed to do some kind of specific Savannah depictions to sell there? Or? Um, I didn't, and I haven't, although in graduate school I started with this horse thing that was really a symbol for my father. Uh-huh. And, um, it really uh, stuck around. Yeah, just the shapes of the horses really meant something to you? Well, um. it, it was this odd thing where um, my brother's a farmer, an organic farmer. He has draft horses. And he grows sorghum and makes molasses. And he had, um, it, was, it was a mule actually, mm. who had um, a type of cancer. My father had cancer. They were both called Jack. Wow. And it seemed prophetic, and I, I think I tortured it into this symbol, you know. And then it just became a horse. They got horsier. They used to be kind of humanoid. And they got horsier, and people were buying them. Yeah. And there it went. <laughs> <laughs> and that was working from photos? Photos, and I would try to be a little deliberate, like take my own photos. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about that. Um, his farm, plenty, and... Went to Wicklow Stables okay. a couple times, took pictures of them turning out the horses, and oh yeah, those are always better than say Google Image. I mean, it just you're more connected, obviously. Yes, so. and it's funny though, but you just said that like you would take the photo at the moment that they're so they're turning the horses out to the pasture because yeah, your a lot of your images of horses they're really in motion and they're like twisting and they're going, and so I wanted to ask like who was if somebody just happened to be managing to grab good photos and free, but yeah, you're getting them at the moment that they're so excited and they're taking off. Allie Krebs invited me to come um, when she turned them out. I love that phrase. Yeah. It was more early morning. (laughs) It's so evocative. It's like for people who have pets, it's like the equivalent of the zoomies. Sure. When your cat and your dog, it's like the zoomies for the horse, right? They do. They They go free. They prance around and fold themselves. Yeah. They, yeah. And like, depending on if they're facing you, when you let them go, then they have to turn to run away. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you know horses probably better than I do know horses a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I actually have a volunteering thing I do at this miniature horse farm in Southside. right? I do. So I'm kind of even now around miniature horses and a donkey. I Gosh. love the The donkey is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I expect. They're very smart. Yeah. And they're, they're bred with horses to make a mule for the... The horse's strength and the and the donkey smarts. Um, I think maybe you should you should come out to this place and take some photos. I would love would be that. really cool. Yeah. The thing that's interesting. Series. Yeah, and I so I've learned. I grew up. I sort of knew about horses, but I never had been around a donkey. And just being around it and seeing it face to face, it's so interesting. Like the the like structure of the donkey because they have this very big. When you look at it from the front, 
They have this enormous stomach that sticks out. Sure. And it, it looks like they're pregnant, but that's just like the way that a donkey's belly is. Mm-hmm. It's super interesting. And they're very like standoffish and they have to watch you for a while and trust you before they will let you get near them and pet them and stuff. And they really like stand back and observe things. Is that right? It's so interesting. They're so wild. I'm really fascinated by the donkey. I expect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. So that makes sense. So at Kobo, your pieces of horses were selling well. Yeah. They were. Um. <laughs> <laughs> when you get commissions from people of portraits, um, yeah, also the, your portrait work, it, they also look very sculptural, like you're carving them. That is really fantastic to hear, and, and I didn't, didn't think that was quite true, so thank you. I'm really... During the pandemic, I got to take some um, like classical drawing and foundations and painting classes through Grand Central Atelier okay. in New York and um, great instructors. And I really have not been, I haven't scrutinized 3D much and I'm really kind of trying to render form. Yeah, I think it really, I mean, you, I feel like you really see it in the, the big objects like your really hefty cats and the horses and the people. But when you get commissions for people, I know you said that in your early on career you you felt really hesitant getting this commission from someone and she had to kind of like talk you through it. Is there just the nerves of like showing it, showing the finished piece to someone what they're going to think? How yeah. does that get easier? That, um, that is not as hard for me as the starting. The starting is deadly and <laughs> I'm, I just, it's so, it's so constant and true that it's really a process for me to, to just make myself get started. Yeah. I find that too. Oh yeah. I'm I mean sure. the blank mm-hmm. piece is horrendous. Any creative field I, I imagine. Yeah. Do you think um this is sort of just occurring to me, but since you work in charcoal, a lot of your work is on toned paper, so it's not literally white. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that psychologically makes it easier to start Absolutely. and make that first mark? I think that's the whole reason for for laying down the tone field. Yeah. It's I think that's a convention to, to help artists get started. <laughs> I love maybe I should start doing that. <laughs> I hate staring at the white object. <laughs> you use your space so well, though. All the negative space. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so what kind of what balance at this point of your work is just things that you are desiring to do, whether working for a show or not, versus like commissioned work? You know, that's funny because I'm, I'm trying to put together a show um, and different things have, have held it up. I was in West Virginia uh, for a lot of last year with... Um, my mother, who's better, but you know, Good. had some stuff, and I think I might call it decommissioned because I, I'm taking a, a step back from from commission work to see what it is I want to do. Okay, or it's it's hard to hard to know when. I mean, I sometimes have felt I'm grateful for every commission I've ever had, but it, it can be paralyzing, and I don't know, you know, in that mindset of doing the job instead of yeah mm-hmm. yeah so since, since ending at Kobo it's been a lot of commissions work for you not a lot but some okay <laughs> I just said uh went thanks to Arthur Callenhoven I hope he gets to know you um I have I had two pretty large ones just go to the frame shop yeah so they're off the off my desk <laughs> <laughs> um how closely do you like to work with the frame shop finishing your pieces you know I have such respect for what it can do. The the choice of frame. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's vast. The possibilities. 
it absolutely is and you can go so wrong and I, I like a second opinion with framing for sure yeah and I'd say Atwell's is the one I've worked most closely with and also Carol at Islands Framing okay so um it's definitely a part of it though commissioners tend to frame their own work you know their own I give it to them flat <laughs> do you have to so are, these pieces are charcoal on paper the portraits. Uh-huh. Do they have to do something special? I always felt like during school, if you were doing pastel or charcoal, that when you framed it, there has to be something like to set the paper like away from the mat and then also away from the glass as well, because sure. charcoal dust might fall down at the bottom and settle. Oh, yeah, it's um, what floating do they do? and then spacers in front of, as I understand it, in front yeah. of the uh, image or mat, and I like to float things. Um, so you see the edge of the paper. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's a good edge, and then you also kind of have to like you can't ever like set a piece down too hard, right? Because dust could just like fall off it and then settle. The know, like there's a whole thing, right? Uh, well, I think um, more virtuous artists don't spray their work, but I do. You do, okay? Typically, no. I wanted to ask about that too. Yeah. Workable fixative, final fixative. What do you like? That oh, I've finally learned to just invest in the Sennelier good stuff. Okay. Um, That's like the nicest French brand, right? It's, it's pretty great, and the mist is really fun. I've used Aquanet. I've used everything. Oh, you like literally <laughs> hairspray? Yeah. That Aerosol seems like a very hairspray. student thing. So you're using Sennelier pastels as well? That's like the best. I right? have some, but um, yeah. the pastel work is, is really infrequent these days. So. Okay. Okay, well, this is, um, you know, this is a good time. We're going to take a little break. Again, everyone, I'm here with Mary Hartman, um, wonderful local charcoal and pastel and wash artist. And we are going to take a little station break, and we'll be back. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. 
Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey everyone, welcome back to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey and I'm here with local artist Mary Hartman. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. Um, and before we went on the break, let's see, we, we'd been talking about, um, you touched on that you, during the pandemic, you started getting really into doing online classes. Mm-hmm. And so I know, so you were in grad school in the mid 90s. So I imagine it had been like a very long time since you'd had any kind of formal instruction very long did you kind of get to a point where you just felt like you just were ready for somebody else's input into your work and you wanted to just be like zhuzhed a little bit like pushed oh I did and um it's it's Instagram truly oh I just found some artists who were working in a way that I that excites me and it's to get excited about realism is maybe doesn't sound so evolved but I, I I am and it is and that's well, not unevolved scratch that I don't know but um, the work that I got to see and really appreciated had this um, solidity to it and volume and things I just didn't feel like I was able to translate okay and, interesting um, I signed up for uh, an in-person workshop with this fantastic artist named Colleen Berry, and she's a director of drawing at Grand Central Atelier in New York, and I was going to go, and the pandemic hit, so wow. it was canceled, and then a lot of online opportunities started happening. Did she have one online? Did you end up learning with her? I wasn't able to um, have a cl- uh, take a class with her. I was able to get a little critique with her. Okay. And man, that was informative. I just was I mean, it truly, harsh. I sat twenty minutes or half an hour, I think, at that table. Yeah. And she just discussed things like form logic and conceptual turning of form, and I had simply never understood that or knew, you know, known of that. Which of your pieces was she looking at when she was critiquing? Portraits and some figures and. Uh, some horses and it's just a okay. smattering really and um so those are the elements that she thought would really push you to a new level is really looking at form and the heft of things mm-hmm. and um I, I just am not accustomed to really scrutinizing something and I want to do that and I love the, the situation where the where the illusion falls apart and so to do that, I need to know the rules, <laughs> or I need to, I need to study up and yeah. and really practice. Were there so. things about your materials that she was encouraging you to mm-hmm. change up? Oh, oh, not change. Or I to think she mentioned use differently. Um, was uh, advantageous, and it was just a general kind of launching pad, and then I took some other classes with. Um, instructors Ananda Featherston was one that just blew my mind okay um, is it all people who work in behind painting and science behind observation and light oh and how it falls and what it does and photons and 
Wow. And just really appreciated all that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know if you, if everybody you learned from was drawing, or but she was painting, this other person. So oh. it was like going to different people for different aspects. I have been doing this kind of a la carte curriculum, which may or may not be a great service to me, but I have just been so excited, and that's worth everything. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, had you... How long have you been working in color at all, like either pastel or um, kind of since washes? Taking um, introduction to color. Oh, I'm going to fail to remember the name of the class, but it was a, a hardcore. Just here's the color wheel. Here's a Munsell chart. And our first. Um, but this is like within the last few years. Yeah. Okay. Assignment was simply to met, you know, I went to paint store and oh. these, and it was Dilla really squares. hard and really challenging and really exciting. I yeah. Mean, yeah. So oh, well, I, I was going to ask you, I kind of couldn't remember how far back I started seeing you having any artwork that had any color in it at all. So you've had decades where you were just working with like toned paper and shades of gray and black and white. Black and white. So you kind of could escape thinking about color and color theory for decades it was purposeful right yeah that's amazing yeah mm-hmm. um what and then one day you were like I just want to open up this entire new other wild field well I was afraid of color and afraid of oil uh too so yeah um it felt like a good discipline thing to try and learn about did you ever I mean over the years when people would commission you to do work did they always just like accept the fact that it was going to be a black and white or would people always be trying to encourage you to do color? You know, um, I would just say, I don't trust myself with color. I think okay. it'll be charcoal <laughs> usually. Uh, so something about the pandemic made you like, you were ready for, for learning and well, trying all these different things. Well, taking one class um, made me want to take more. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Oh, so you just really got into the learning part of it. That and, um, thinking about it in a different way to practice because in the studio you know searching photos responding to those is uh one thing but just setting up a, a vase or a lemon as trite as it sounds it's really fun for me and um i'd like to do more of it and there's, it's a place to start it's just a place to start rather than this vacuum of me by myself mm. you know how easy was it do you think so your classes were online like for you to be looking at what they're the teachers are demonstrating to you and for them to be looking at your work how well do you think that that translates through like the computer screen do you think it worked out and you know there are glitches sometimes but um they know what they're looking at so well yeah. And can anticipate what it really is in, in life that um, the feedback has been, has been super helpful. Okay. It's interesting. I wonder, like, as you're saying this, I guess this whole, like, cottage industry of people doing classes mm-hmm. and workshops and things online just sort of popped up for them during the pandemic. Like, maybe people discovered a whole new I know, and aspect I of so, income for themselves, right? so valuable. Um, besides the horror of the pandemic I mean there yeah things came out of it. I mean that suddenly you could be learning from someone across the world without having across to go the there world. it's crazy so this woman in in New York do you still have plans to go well um I am gonna go with a student a couple students of hers who have graduated 
from this very rigorous program. I think that, that you're doing cast drawings for the first year. Um, maybe you can hold a paintbrush by the third year. I mean, it's very rigorous, wow. and I wish, kind of wish it, I had time and, and discipline to do it. I, I doubt that I do, but... Um, you said I mean, it's cast drawings for the first... What is that? Well, a cast of, um, say, a hand or a foot. Oh, okay. And by observation, and then a lot of master copies and copies of... Uh, I'm acting like I know, but I really don't. It's, it sounds very yeah. old masters type mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, where you spend which is, which ages is just doing a hand from every angle. Right? Which is fertile to then have the 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 memory of of what you're looking at because I mm-hmm. I've learned the skeleton a bit, not really. Yeah, definitely not learned the muscles. Um, and I act like I'm such a student now, but really, it's just a way to get excited again and enjoy it and the 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 program that she's in is called grand central you said the grand school? central atelier and it's a classical cool. um drawing and painting program very rigorous and it's, it's it emphasizes this thing um called uh perceptual form and okay turning the form away from the light and i just appreciate how um, mindfully crafted the whole thing is so I have uh, plans to go in July in person with two really great artists um, Colleen I'm oh, sorry Chelsea Bard and Tyler Berry okay and that would be fantastic to be in a room a tiny little class I imagine I don't know my sister says she she might do it with me but she has to be in the other in the corner corner. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it's it's too intimate to have somebody you know that well just over your shoulder looking maybe so okay well, i gotta find a way to leave my body that's something cool to look forward to and then and you were saying that um so you're gonna take a break from commissioned work and you're working on a whole new series of pieces and you'll call it decommissioned maybe, to work toward a show maybe i don't mean to be cheeky that way but it's part it's what i'm it's a mindful separation. From Do you already have an idea of what, like, the objects and the subjects of these pieces are going to be, or are you going to wait until you do this do. class? Okay. Well, no, I don't need to wait. I started thinking about it during the pandemic, and it's um, things, like, that are essential. Oh. Ways to you were thinking about essential and non-essential people? Essential workers, essential things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I have ideas, um, challenge myself and make myself really scrutinize an object in life mm. and find a way to um, make it interesting to look at. Do you know, yeah, do you, do you feel this almost push with like, I'm looking at your still life and yeah, it's like one lemon leaning against a wall or on a cloth. It's very <laughs> sort of classic, you know, like yeah. still life setup. Do you feel like there's a thing for you where you want to take what would be quote unquote just a very boring prosaic thing and you want to just make it really beautiful and it's like a challenge for you maybe so and also embrace that so what if it's just a lemon in a classical uh, yeah um, and I've been, I've I'm signed up for another class um this must seem very extravagant but I'm you know just excited about it and Sign up for another class that is nothing but master copies. I mean, I don't care. I yeah. just, you learn, you learn. Um, do you have any idea? So at this moment, sort of in Savannah, venue-wise, where would you 
like to be showing your work? Well, um, Peter Roberts has been very good to me and gotten to be in uh, group shows at Location Gallery and we'll see if I can't pull something off. I don't, I don't know that that's going to be... Um, I don't know if I'm telling something I shouldn't, but it's certainly... It's not the new episode of Succession. <laughs> it's not that important if anyone knows or doesn't know. I think I'm afraid that I won't pull it off. Oh. So it's an idea. Sometimes I make people say it out loud, like, what's your next thing you're going to do? Because then it's like... You got to manifest it. put it out it. there. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm is hoping it? to have a solo show in town. Great. Yeah. Great. Something to look forward to. At some point, this is definitely going to happen, I'm sure. Thank you. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to get back a little bit just for your materials. Like, um, so when you work on paper, I know that in your list of materials online, it's, it's charcoal. And then you do these, like, like, is it oil washes with the brush just to like make things look a little bit more liquid? Um, what is no, it? That, that would be acrylic wash or okay, um, acrylic with, wash. With charcoal. And then on wood, I've used wood stain. I was going to ask if you were run into problems with the paper where it just is too thin or too delicate and you end up destroying things. It's like, is that a lot? I just... Uh, I just commit to the 300 pound expensive stuff. Okay. Hot press. It's, it's pretty unbeatable. <laughs> is, so is hot press, is that the more textured or the less textured? Less textured. Okay. And it usually... It's super has, thick. I mean... Yeah. And it usually has that really nice deckled edge to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're beating up the paper a lot? Um, I, can, I can. And when I was working kind of wet, dry, wet, dry, that was... Uh, I had to just stay my hand truly because I wanted to get in there and then you just have mud before it's dry if you're sure. putting it oh <laughs> you, uh, yeah you're acquainted do you think so when you moved to doing on wood panel and canvas was that like just for the fun of it or was there like a problem with paper that you were trying to solve framing okay yeah yeah as I was working yeah yeah and Betsy Kane whom I love and admire gave me some Yupo which is uh something I've really enjoyed and some uh liquid pencil which is graphite with a binder yeah I wanted to ask about liquid pencil okay and Yupo is that is that really interesting paper that it's like it's almost like the opposite of the watercolor paper you're doing because there's sort of no Mm -hmm. surface that like materials don't really sink into it at all they kind of just sit on the surface of it and then eventually dry is that right Mm -hmm. and so it's very forgiving okay Mm -hmm. do they beat up I'm trying to picture this um, I haven't like, does liquid that. make little beads and then eventually dry? It it seems to accept it enough that it will will dry, will fuse and yeah. dry. But okay, uh, I haven't noticed a lot of beading up. And it comes pretty large, right? Mm-hmm. The Yupo paper. There's a roll or a small. Oh, that is a good roll. Amazing. Um, Let me, let's have you leave with some. I'll give you some. Oh, so much <laughs> fun! Is this a this huge, like? The, what do you call it? This thing in the corner. It almost looks like something you use to cut mat board. What oh, is this huge equipment? Oh, it's just, it's a straight edge. Okay. You mean the blue? Well, the entire wall leaning up. Oh, that is Your a, surface. an easel wall that... An easel wall, Preston okay. or my favorite artist in person ever, um, made, helped help me make, um, because you can see the walls are not good for... For tacking something up, yeah. This is so, okay, I'm going to try to describe it for people. It's like a leaning, it's almost like an enormous bed that's leaning against <laughs> the wall, and then there's a shelf so you can rest your piece and your yeah. materials on it. But it's just this, it's amazing. It's um, two by fours and then drywall and a seam in the middle. Yeah. Makes it, um, I guess, 
two four by eight, so it's eight by sixteen. And then and we were talking about your studio earlier a bit. So you're in this very very large room that's sort of semi divided that you share with Meredith Sutton, the jewelry artist, and you've been here for years. And then you learned that you're gonna have to leave in a year. Did you say? Well, I think it's six months. Okay. Uh, something like that. So, you know, as as anxious as I get about each studio transition and there have been many um it always has worked out yeah so I'm trying to count on that I really yeah I, I, and this has been just so lucky this is truly this been enormous so room yeah all thanks to Meredith for packing me in with her I've come up I mean this discussion with artists over like where to work has come up a lot with people in Savannah and we were talking about this that it's just so interesting that there's not more like once you get out of SCAD it's interesting there's not more large buildings of just like lots of lots of artists working Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know it's like very piecemeal everybody just happens to find their place or they're in their room working around alone and it's yeah I I don't know I feel like that could be the next big thing that could crack open in Savannah or just more conscious, formal, public opportunities for people to work in a space together. Because one thing I remember from right before I graduated from SCAD that a professor was like, you know, you hate the critiques now, but you'll notice once you're graduated mm-hmm. and you're working on your own, mm-hmm. you're professional, you really miss just being around people looking at your work and helping you as you're working Absolutely. through it. Oh, yeah. And it's oh, really yeah. weird to be isolated working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can imagine um, a lot of self-starting but some people are fortunate to have. Yeah. What are your hours? You mentioned sometimes that you're here really late at night and you sleep on this little sofa <laughs> in here. Are you, are you a night worker? Or are you Absolutely. Just, are you just like a 24-hour? You're just here all the time? Uh, no, night. And okay. And it, it stems from, I think it's just how I do best. Yeah. And, and when I'm most um, alert and vigorous. And um, there used to be office folks on the second floor, so I'd wait till they leave oh. at five and then come in and and work with abandon and play whatever. So you could be really loud. Loud. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you have a really daily routine? You have things that you do during the day and then you come at night and work? Pretty much. Well I first have to do all the New York Times word puzzles. <laughs> oh <laughs> that's, that's good. Important. That's how you wake up uh, a little bit your brain. Yes. That's a serious it is. morning activity. It's a date with myself. Yeah. Are you able to get through the entire week? Um, of the puzzles? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I sometimes with success, sometimes with okay. not. Because don't they, they get harder as the week goes on, right? That's true. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. And um, I try to set Monday, Tuesday nights, Thursday and Friday nights. I'm here. Okay. Um, so your website, their last... <laughs> up to like your list of art shows on your website the most recent one was 2014 mm-hmm. which is obviously insane so you <laughs> since then had a lot um I did notice there was a part back in your history we we must have been at the same like the annual Telfair art fair that they used to have out in Telfair Square we were both in it at the same time like 2009 2010 mm-hmm. which is really funny that we overlapped for that and I missed that show that was amazing they had this tent and they took over the whole square and artists who were like road warriors and who are on the road like they were coming from all over the country to do that show Uh uh-huh yeah um i count that as um one of the most challenging things i've ever done just to sort of stand at attention for three days yeah i mean it was i think i went to bed for a week after that i think yeah for most artists are pretty introverted so the point where you have to 
talk to people all day and fill your work is you're really pushing yourself. It's like a performance. Well, yeah, it mattered. It matters to try that, or at least I find that I should here and there. Um, did you ever want to do outdoor art fairs, like other than those? Did you did that ever become a part of your practice? Not much. Um, I just am so poorly organized for something like that, but I will get to do the Isle of Hope one next. Oh, fall. okay, that's or great. That's going to be your first like pop-up kind of art uh, fair you've done in, in a long time and I also literally have decades to say, the software I'm told the software that supports what my website is on isn't made anymore so I can't get in there and change it oh my gosh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is time to build a whole I'm website not terribly up to date anyway but well they make it so easy now you just have these templates and you just I go in it. and type I things and... start over yeah <laughs> Um, but it, so in the years since, from 2014 up till now, what are some, can you, can you remember some other galleries that you've shown in and other like notable oh, times well, you had in Savannah? Sure. Um, the, several with location and I always appreciate that chance and the way their shows are structured to um, support charities. Yeah. Things like that. Now their shows, Peter always sets like a theme and then you mm-hmm. have to like generate a new piece for that theme for that show. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of things have you been depicting for those? Cause it's, <laughs> I just painted I mean, over one of them. Um, I did a, a T12, the thoracic vertebra for, um, one of his shows. And I can't remember which one, but I, and something I did really enjoy. It was Atlantic Avenue for the Savannah fleet. Okay. Savannah-Oply. Um, yeah, I can see you getting really into anatomical studies as well. I yeah, mean, it, yeah, it worked out, although it's, it's erased forever. It's under this head right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I think uh, commission work has taken up plenty. Okay. So when I say plenty, it's probably not uh, like other people's plenty, but it's plenty for me. Has it mostly been people, or is it people asking you to do their animals as well? Both. Um, I'm not proud. I've had a sailboat. I've had pets. I've had um, a lot of horse commissions on panel. Okay. Not a lot, but some. And those are pretty challenging because once the wood stains down, it's over. You know, it's on birch panel, so it drinks it up, and then you really only have a couple chances before it gets just shiny. Oh. Can you sand that down at all? I, I could. It's makes a different um the figures lost kind of wow and those have been on panel because the people wanted it to be a certain size well um yeah and also jerome temple an artist in town gave me a panel once that he had found in the lane he's good at finding things and <laughs> i saw a horse in it wow so i sort of just finished, finished like in it. the shape of the wood texture in, the in there it already yeah. looked horsey mm-hmm. huh. so i just um kind of finished it out and and that started me on that um process of I called it grain fed that show in New York in um 2014 that's a very cool name thank you I like the double entendre yeah for Um, the horse but I had some ruminants in that show um goats lambs buffalo um some ibex with the big horns yeah and tried to find them in the grain huh. panel so those are so i know you came from west virginia and you said like the beginnings the draft horses and the anvil was really inspired by 
things you saw there, but how did you get into these very like Western animals? I didn't mean to. It's silly, but horns as a um, formal element. Oh. Sort of exciting, that big arc. Yeah, um, like trying to depict something, like the, the dimensionality of it going back in space. Sure. I would think that's a real challenge to depict that. Very much, yeah. Was that before you'd taken these online classes teaching you about well before. depicting for? Okay. Yeah, well before. So if you tried it now, do you... <laughs> I don't know. If I you'd could. have all these better you know, techniques. I, I tried I really did try as much as my sort of facility allowed. Um, and I had huge trouble rendering a sphere. I have huge trouble really, you know getting a cone to look like it is convex um yeah i mean these are real classic challenges there's a reason students are tearing their hair out exactly. doing still life drawings mm-hmm. <laughs> there were a lot of glass bottles <laughs> glass right? is tough, glass is tough. Glass is yeah. tough. <laughs> and then the music you said is important i like your huge you're very analog you have a huge pile of cds <laughs> That's right. you have baskets of cds <laughs> they're like from your SCAD days, right? It's absurd, we're listening yeah. to the replacements. Uh, oh, all the replacements. They go Aww. back to, gosh, junior high school. <laughs> um, one thing I did want to ask you about, I kind of discovered there's this like kitchen and P- homeware P- store. PW Short. Yeah, PW Short. <laughs> PW Short. Fantastic. In that design district on Whitaker. And you have your work there, which is really interesting. How did that come about? Um, Scott Henson invited artists to submit, um, and I. I did, and he said yes, and I'm thrilled to be there because that's an outlet um, that I didn't have. Yeah. Sort of ready to go. It's such an interesting store. People haven't been in. On the ground floor, it's like new, fun tchotchkes for cooking and entertaining to buy. And then upstairs is like, it's it's almost like being in Alex Raskin's antique store. Absolutely. And that's where your paintings are, right? They're upstairs yeah. above the shoes. And um, I just really always admired what Scott does and was thrilled to get to be there because it's he, his you know how he collects and curates and, and manages yeah. it all is very beautiful I think your work just fits right in in this beautiful old building with these antiques and things that he's selling because you had you do have such a classic old masters look to your work well thank you I, I'm just lucky to very lucky to be there I didn't know how long you'd lived here, so yeah, the news that it's been since like 1995 of you starting as a student, it's a lot of history to cover. Dinosaur, yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Mary. This is really fascinating. I love hearing about the chair and night owl. I'll think of you now like looking out over MLK to the sounds of the road. For sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's been amazing, and I can't wait to see. At some point, we will see a solo show of Mary's new directions out in town would be what beautiful God, well, the creek don't rise all that. <laughs> yeah. I hope so thank you so much Tamara yeah this has been a pleasure thank you so much Mary next up on WRUU that old Savannah magic from 4 to 6 p.m. it's a variety show featuring Savannah history radio theater interviews and music you are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.